Welcome to Elevate Youth. I am so happy you guys are here with us tonight. I know we had to like miss last week, which was kind of unfortunate, but we had it online. And actually, before we move on to the service, it, can I get Kelsey, Poor, and Sophie up here on stage? She was pre. She was, come on on stage. Okay. So last week, last week uh, over, last week over uh, YouTube Live. Thank you, Katie. Um, we had a trivia contest, and the, uh, we we did the best student that had the most points and the best leader that had most points. So I have a little bit of a gift package for each of you guys because you guys each won it. And there's it's a Bible study kit kit with a bag of M&Ms. It's some really cool stuff in there. So you guys did an amazing job. Let's give them all a hand. Good job, you guys. You guys can go back to your seats. Awesome job, you two. They scored quite a bit of points. And if you guys missed it, I don't think it's on the YouTube, but if you wanted to go back to watch it, that would be kind of cool too. So, okay, I need a volunteer. No. All right, come on up. Come on up right there. Yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Come on up. Give them a round of applause, you guys. Yeah. You need a can. I don't have a can. Go grab a can. <laughs> I always pick you, though. It's not even fair. All right, count us down. All right, three, two. Three, two, one. Whoa, he messed it up. <laughs> wow. It got into the microphone, so hopefully that won't. Oops. Thank you, Kelsey. Thank you. That could have been bad. That could have been really bad. All right, so the title of my message tonight is God Wants You to Be Like an Eight-Year-Old. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this amazing group of people. I pray that we're, someday we're going to change the world, and it doesn't even have to be Sunday. Someday. It can be right now in this moment. In Jesus' name, every set. Amen. Amen. All right, God wants you to be like an eight-year-old. Put a pin in that. We're going to come back to that. We're going to come back to that later. But right now, I, need, I have a question for you guys. What are some things that you can think of in your day-to-day -day life that are very disappointing? What are some things that are really disappointing? You can just shout them out. You don't have to raise your hand. Work? Did somebody say work? School lunch? Her? That's so mean. That's so mean. Biology? That's disappointing. No, biology is the best science, though. Chemistry. Wow. All right, so this didn't work as I thought. Actually, raise your hand and I'll start calling them out. Yeah. Math. Anything that's not school related, or is that like the source of all disappointments? Yeah. Big team battle on Halo. That's true. That's true. Um, Zach. Nintendo not putting baseball on Switch Sports. Last one. Anytime my brothers walk into my room. Okay, I wrote down a couple things. What about going to McDonald's and the ice cream machine's broken? Right? That's like every day, right? That's like every day. What about uh, trying to watch a show on the TV, but all the TVs are being taken up by siblings? That's pretty disappointing too, right? He doesn't watch TV. Okay. Right? That sucks. So... There's a lot of times, probably on a daily basis, maybe it's not a major thing, but there's always something that we have like an expectation of, 
and it's not always met. You know, a, a long time ago, actually, when I was a teenager, I was at a youth conference. I heard a sermon by a pastor, and he said, um, he said, there's disappointment is expectation minus reality, right? So disappointment is you're expecting something to happen, but reality falls short, and that's the formula for disappointment. So tonight, I'm actually not, I don't want to talk about disappointments. You know, uh, as much as we could talk about disappointments all night, I don't want to do that. But in fact, I want to talk about revival tonight. And I believe revival, you can look at it the same way. You know, because uh, we can have expectations that are not met that lead to disappointment. But I believe there's something that we can have instead, and that's anticipation. And that's anticipation. Anticipation, to me, is an expectation plus hope. And that's anticipation. And I believe that's what, uh, that's what we need to be hoping for is for revival. We need to be anticipating revival. You know, as a nation, there's not only an anticipation for revival, but I believe there's an expectation for it as well. You know, I believe there's an expectation for it. And I believe in our culture even, whether, they, whether people want to admit it or not, revival is in the subconscious of our culture. You know, you have your conscious mind. That's things that you're actively thinking about and actively choosing to do. And then I believe in our subconscious of a culture, which is things that it's not so present, there is a foundation of revival that's coming. That I think even people, uh, Christian and non-Christian alike, can see it coming if they thought about it. And so I wanted to find what revival really is. I just looked it up on Google. Um, I believe the Bible has an, a definition that's pretty close to that. But revival is defined as an improvement to the condition or strength of something. So, you know, that makes sense. It's an instance of something becoming popular, active, or important again. Or it's a restoration to bodily or mental vigor, to life or consciousness. You know, I believe that God's about to move on this generation in a really powerful way. I believe it is going to happen. You know, in the Old Testament, we can see that the Israelites... They were at points like this a lot, but you can see that like, the Israelites were at a point where they're in need of revival. You know, it's in 1 Kings where it's just king after king after king kept falling short of God. And it says they did what was evil in the sight of God. And it actually got so bad that kings began to construct large idols inside God's temples. It got so bad that, that the kings and the culture began to sacrifice infants to demons. Like if you could think of the worst thing possible to do, the Israelites probably did it. Like, they, they probably did it. They burned their sons and daughters to worship demons. They, did, they burned them alive. They had regular mediums and necromancers on staff in their temples. They had male and female prostitutes that they slept with in form of worship to demons. Like, I'm just saying, like, if you could think of it, the worst thing you think of, they did it. They murdered innocent people. And in fact, one particular king took it to a whole new level to that even his servants conspired against him and murdered him. So Israel, they're, they're in a bad spot, right? Like they're in need of revival. They're, things are not going as God had planned it to do. And like that king I just talked about that they conspired against and murdered, that left in, his oldest son was eight years old and enter King Josiah. Enter King Josiah in the equation. And this is where my, the title of my message is, God wants you to be like an eight-year-old. I don't just mean any eight-year-old, but I believe God wants you to be like this specific eight-year-old. So when the Bible introduces King Josiah, the Bible says two things about him. They say he was eight years old and that he did what was good inside of God, inside of the Lord. 
Every king before that, it says the king did what was evil inside of God, or at least most of them. But for Josiah, the Bible introduces them and says they did what was good in sight of God. Because how many of you guys know that God's sight is really what matters, right? It doesn't matter what anybody around us sees us as. It doesn't matter what the culture sees it as. It doesn't matter what your school sees you as. It doesn't matter any of that. The only thing that ends up mattering is how God sees you. The only th- that's the only thing that ends up happening. So one of the first things that the Bible talks about King Josiah doing was repairing God's temple. And in the process of repairing the temple, one of the priests discovered the book of the law, which was the Bible. And that just, to me, that just shows the extent of Israel's rebellion that they had to discover the Bible. They found it in some like rubble or something. That's how far away they were. And so they read it out loud. King Josiah read this and Josiah immediately repents and begins to reform Israel. The next 30 or so chapters is just verse after verse after verse of showing the extent of how much King Josiah reformed Israel. It says not only did he remove idols, but he crushed the idols down and burned them to a dust and spread the dust over the sea. It says not only did he just tell people to leave, he like drove the necromancers and mediums out and the prostitutes out. Like he brought reformation, he brought back the Sabbath, he brought back the Passover, he brought back all those things and he had public readings of the scripture again and he commanded all the Israelites to do the same. And we're gonna see the end of his story in 2 Kings 23, it says, before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul and with all his might according to the law of Moses, nor did any like him arise after him. God is looking for more King Josiahs. God is looking for more King Josiahs in our nation, in our schools, in the city of Liberty, in Kansas City. God is looking for more young people that are going to spark revival and culture. God is looking for more young people who are going to reform change to the, even to the extent that King Josiah did. And the truth is we may be, we may not be worshiping wooden idols, But the truth is we're always worshiping something. We're always worshiping something. Bible says that we were made to worship. And our DNA and our design is a spirit that worships something. Our hearts hearts are not vacuums, right? They're They're not empty, then they can't be empty. There's something that's always going to fill it up. If it's not God, something else is gonna replace it. And that's the thing is in our culture, we may not be sacrificing our children to demons, but what is our culture sacrificing for pleasure and comfort? We may may not be sleeping with prostitutes, but what is our culture losing its integrity to? We may not be dealing with necromancers, but who's our culture trusting over God, right? There's all these things. You see, sin is sin no matter what. Sin is sin, lust is lust, idols are idols, worship is worship. No matter what it is to God, it's all sin. And God is looking for more King Josiahs. God is looking, he's still using young people to cause revival. God is still looking for the Josiahs out there. God's looking for ordinary people like you and me to do what is good in his sight. And the truth is that revival in our culture starts with revival in our hearts. If we wanna change our culture, then it starts with us. And as I said earlier, our culture and our hearts aren't always used for their intended purposes. You know, it's like, it's like when somebody tries to eat fork or tries to eat ice cream with a fork, right? 
It's like it's not used for its intended purpose. It's like when someone tries to put ranch on pizza, right? It's, it's not being used for its intended purpose. Someone's staying up until 3 a.m. watching YouTube, right? You're not, you're, not being, you're not using that for its intended purpose. You know, I'm sure people are guilty of all three of those things in this room. I don't know about the fork with the ice cream, though. That's kind of weird. Ranch and pizza is pretty good. But the, the truth is that revival is God's power turning back to the original purpose. Revival is God's power turning culture back to its original purpose. It's God's power turning our hearts back to the original purpose, which is to worship God and to honor God with everything that we do. And so I'm in a theology group with a few other like young men, and we meet at Pastor Aaron's house. And uh, I like to describe it. I was thinking about it. I like to describe it as almost like we discuss experimental theology. Like we just, we just discuss like different paradoxes and just crazy, just the, the things that come into mind, the questions we have about the Bible. And it's a lot of fun. But one thing we talked about recently was God's power. And, you know, Bible says God's omnipotent, which means he's all powerful. And so I want you to imagine like there, the entire ocean is inside a glass tank. You know, we can't even think about what that would look like, but the entire ocean is inside of a glass tank tank and on the side of a tank there's a pipe that is just going out and that pipe goes out all the way to your house and it goes into your house and you're holding a container like a big you know tupperware container where that pipe's going to right so that is god's power god's power all of the water in the ocean represents god's power even though it's infinite god has the ability to to heal you you know god has the ability to save you god is sending the ability to save you through the pipe and he's filling up your bucket. Just follow along with me here. But here's the thing. Your bucket is the ability, is the, is the container you have to hold God. And here's what I want us to realize is, as bad as that illustration is, if you feel that God's power in your life is shrinking, I guarantee you it's not God's power shrinking, it's your ability to, your capacity for God is shrinking. I guarantee you it's not God's power in the ocean is shrinking, but it's the container that you're holding is shrinking. And that's representative of what it is for God's power. God is not shrinking. Your container for God is shrinking. Because how crazy would it be that say that God's power is running out, right? God is sending his power to you and you only have as much ability to hold it. And here's the truth. If you want to see God move in your life, then you're going to have to get a bigger container for God. If you want to see more power in your life, you're going to have to get a bigger, bigger container to contain God's power. If you want to see God move in your life more, your capacity for God's going to have to grow. And when you expand your capacity for God, you begin to feel more of God's presence. You begin to see him move in your life. You begin to feel more of his power. And to me, I call that revival. I call that revival. Revival happens when the capacity for God is expanding. When, something, when someone's capacity for God in their life is expanding, we call that revival because God's going to fill that void. If you allow him, he's going to fill that void. Think about it. If you're expanding your container, you are reviving more dead things in your life than you were before. If you're expanding your, expanding your container to hit your, your relationship life now, there is revival in your relationships. If you're expanding your container to hit your physical well-being, there is revival in your physical well-being. 
If our culture is expanding its container for God, revival happens in our culture because God's going to fill that. There's a couple of examples in the Bible. Second Chronicles 7, 14 says, Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Listen, that's expanding the container for God. I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. James 4, 8, come close to God and God will come close to you. Come close to God, you're expanding your container and God's going to come close to you. When a container gets bigger, we call that revival. Because when that happens, dead things begin to come alive. One of my favorite verses, one of my favorite stories in all of scripture is found in Ezekiel and is about a prophet Elisha and he is taken to this valley of dry bones. And it says, then the Lord took hold of me and I was carried away by the spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground, completely dried out. Then he said to me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? And God, and this is God speaking to the prophet. He's saying, hey, can these bones become people again? Obviously, he doesn't know what to say. He says, oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know the answer to that. He probably didn't have the words to even begin to think of what to say. He said, then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. The capacity for God and the dry bones begin to expand. There's one of my favorite songs is Rattle by Elevation Worship, and it, it's about this passage of scripture. I encourage you to check it out. But revival happens when the capacity for God expands in a situation, person, culture, school, family, heart, you name it. Your life's never a vacuum. If God's not in it, something else is going to take that place. So the question remains, what does it look like to expand your capacity for God in your life? If, if you're following with me, then you're like, okay, yeah, I want revival to happen in our culture. I can see that our culture needs it. I can see that, you know, maybe we're not as bad as the Israelites, but to God, again, sin is sin, anger is anger, lust is lust. It's all the same. Like there are different degrees of it, but to God, it's all sin. But revival has to start in our hearts. So how can I expand my container for God in my life? And so tonight, I want to give you guys three things to do that are very simple, that you can ex begin to expand your capacity to handle to the capacity for God's power in your life. And the first thing is, is you need to create opportunities. You need to create opportunities. In order to expand your container, to allow God to cause revival, we need to put ourselves in opportunities for God to move. Like if you think about it, it just makes sense. Like if you're not giving God an opportunity to move, then he's probably not gonna move. Because you know, I've always heard it said that God's a gentleman, that he's not gonna push himself onto you. If you want revival and you want to see dead bones rising, like in Ezekiel, you need to give yourself opportunities. And um, this summer, we're going to have an amazing opportunity for you guys to give your, put yourself um, and to grow your capacity for God. You know, um, we, we do, every year we do a summer experience for us, for Elevate, and I want to share with you guys what we're going to be doing this year. And I, I'm very excited. We had much prayerful consideration about it. But listen, if you want to see your capacity for God expand in your life, then you need to create opportunities, opportunities a lot like this one coming up in the summer. All right, yeah. 
Man, I am so excited. I am so excited. So yeah, we're doing the Bull Conference 2022. So exciting. Expect more details coming soon. Um, you, uh, we're hoping to have registrations open in March for it. Um, we will be doing the hotels. I don't know if you guys were here for it the first year we went to Bold. We'll be staying in hotels. Um, but again, expect more details coming soon. Hopefully in the coming weeks. I am very excited for this. It's going to be an amazing time. But yes, we create opportunities for your capacity for God to expand in your life. And there's something I really don't like it when people say this. And they have good intentions. Believe me, they have good intentions. But a lot of people say that, you know, Gen Z and the teenagers and the youth of today, they're the next church. Like they're the next church leaders, the next disciples, the next world changers. And again, I love their heart. I just think it's very, very wrong because you're not the next church. You're the now church. You are the church right now. You are the revival takers right now. You're, you're taking culture right now. You are the now church. You're not the next church. You're doing it now. And if God can use an eight-year-old, come on. Who has eight-year-olds? Who has eight-year-old siblings in this house, right? There's a couple of us do. I, did, I almost said children, but none of you guys should have children right now. If, if you guys can all picture what an eight-year-old is. If God can use an eight-year-old to spark revival in the nation of Israel when they were sleeping with prostitutes and worshiping false idols in the temple of God and dealing with necromancers, how much God, can God use you guys? 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds. How much can, more can God use you to spark the culture? So number one is create opportunities, and it goes right into number two. Number two is to create anticipation. Remember, anticipation is expectation plus hope. Anticipation is expectation plus hope. Because you're not the next church and because you are the now church, I think that should change your mindset. Because you're not waiting on something to happen when you get older, the number 18 isn't a magical number. That, that number doesn't mean anything to God. You're the now church. You are the now church. You're not waiting for someday. You're not waiting for God to move on you while you're an adult, right? You're not, you, you, at least you shouldn't be. I can say in my life that it's tempting to wait until you, you're an adult. Then it's tempting, once you're an adult, it's tempting to wait until you're married. Then once you're married, it's tempting to wait until you have kids. Then once you have kids, it's like, well, now I don't have time because I got to wait for them to move out of their house. Then once they all move out, you're like, well, retirement's like 10 years away. I might as well just wait for retirement. You know, you're, you're always going to be waiting if you have that mindset. It's never going to happen if you're always waiting. That's why God wants to use us now. If God, wants, if God can use an eight-year-old to spark revival in an entire nation, how much more can God use you to spark revival in your friends? How much more can God use you to spark revival in your classroom, in your friend group, in your family, even in your heart? So the last thing we need to do I want the worship band to come on up now. Last thing we need to do is number, so we need to create opportunities and that's just putting yourself in an opportunity for God to speak to you. And to do, and, and by the way, in order to do that, you have to be open for God to speak to you. So creating, giving God an opportunity to. Then number two is to create anticipation. Now that God's speaking to me and I'm putting myself in opportunities, that should change your mindset and that should be like, hey, hold on, God can use me. That should be creating anticipation for you and for the future, for the near future. Maybe it's not tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow won't, there won't be a revival in my friend group, but why not next year? Why not next month? 
So creating opportunities, creating anticipation, and last thing, number three, is to create habits. To create habits. Once you've got those things, now it's time to start living it out. Start building those spiritual habits. Start building those practical things that we are supposed to do as Christians. And they're not things to just check off a list. They actually have meaning. They actually have power and actually have importance in your life. And I'm not going to go over a whole bunch right now, but I'm just going to list a few off. Habits like having a private worship time for God. Listen, that's not something we do to just check off a box. That's not something that's just no one's going to care. But God cares. God's saying, hey, there is an importance. There is a reason to have a private worship time with me because that is a time to set your heart straight for what I want to do with you. That's a time to, to dedicate your day to me. Other habits such as reading your Bible regularly. Again, that's not just to check the box. God wrote the Bible for you. If you were the only person ever to live on the entire planet, he still would have wrote the Bible. It's just to create those habits, the hang out with God, having accountability partners, memorizing and studying the Bible, and being involved in a church or a small group. Listen, you need a group of people around you. If you're going to take on this culture, if you're going to take on your school, you're going to need to get a group. You're going to need to get a group of people that are with you and for you and are like, hey, let's do this together. Iron sharpens iron. Let's work together on this. You need those habits. You cannot do it just on opportunity and anticipation alone. I can guarantee you that. Listen, having a vision for the future and having a dream is only wishful thinking until you begin to put practical steps towards it. And God's the same way. So you need to have those habits. And what I want to leave you guys with with is this, and that is God is going to move, but only if you allow him to. God's going to move in your life, but only if you allow him to. So let's all stand up right now. As we enter into this last portion of the message, And during this last song, some of you guys may not know the purpose of this last worship song. But if we wanted to, we could just end the service now and be like, all right, see you guys. See you next week. You're dismissed. But we choose not to do that because we want this song to not just be a fourth worship song, but we want this song to be an opportunity for you right this second. You don't have to wait till you get home, but to right this second to have an encounter with God. We want this to be a response time, to be a reaction time, to give God an opportunity, like I said in my message. And that's what we're going to be doing tonight, is in this last portion of the service, in the next five or six minutes, let's have an opportunity, let's give God an opportunity to have an encounter with us. So let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, I thank you so much for what you're doing in the hearts of the next generation. I pray that we don't have that mindset that we're waiting for something in the future, but God can use us now. If you're 12 years old, God can use you right now. God, we just want to wait for you. We want to wait for that hopeful anticipation of you. God, we are very expectant for you to move. So guys, during this last worship song, If you want, come up to the front, kneel at the altar. You can sit down, you can stand up, walk around, whatever you got to do to get with God. And let's just get with God during this last portion tonight. My friend Dylan, he had a word he wants to share. So he's going to come up. He's going to share the word that God gave him. 
So as I was worshiping and stuff, I just saw a picture, and it was just a picture of uh, just a heart, which was kind of gross, actually, but just like a heart organism, and it just, like what God was showing me was just like, just some people in here just had a covering over that heart, like spiritually, and something that God was saying is just that he wants that to be broken off, and like, I feel like there's people in here that are more powerful than they think that they are, and they have a bigger influence than they think that they do, and just like, I don't know, are more worshipers than they sometimes lead on that they are, and I just feel like God's saying that like, he wants to remove that off of your heart, and just for you to be free, and so I just wanted to pray, so... God, thank you for this night, and just thank you for the word that was spoken, and just for um, just the time that we had to worship God, and I just pray for um, just any heaviness, um, any burdens over people's hearts, that just that that would be broken in Jesus' name, Father, and just any um, just barriers just between you um, that we've made or that um, have been put up, God, just that they would be broken right now in Jesus' name, and Father, just any... um, just things that are telling us just that we can't do that because it's not cool or because it's not the the popular thing to do, God, just that that would be broken in Jesus' name and just that we would have hearts for you and that would be the only thing that matters. And just like Sean was saying, God, I just, just speak your revival over us, God, and just that it would start in our hearts. And I thank you for who you are, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's, let's all give him a hand. That was awesome. Yeah. All right, would you, would you all stand up with me as I, as I do one last prayer for us tonight? Father, I just thank you again for what you're doing inside of us. I thank you so much for the revival that, that shouldn't even be possible to begin with, that you paid for. It shouldn't even be possible, but here we are. So God, I thank you so much for your revival. I thank you that you give us that supernatural energy to do your work and to do what you have set, out, set us out to do. God, I thank you for that anticipation. And I'm so excited for what you have for us in the future that you are going to use this now generation, not the next one, the now generation, God, to set revival and to set fire our culture. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Let's all, let's give God a round of applause in this place tonight. Incredible. That's awesome. That's awesome. And don't forget, show up next week. We have our very own Andrew Sharp. He's going to be speaking, bringing a message. Yeah, you're not going to miss it. He's going to be continuing our series, 100 Day Dare. And lastly, we're going to be getting you more details on the Elevate Bold experience very soon. So be on the lookout for that. It's going to be a good one. Until then, you guys are dismissed.